When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I was paying for vacations all wrong. (laughs) I was missing out on miles. I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. You know I'm a big fan of enjoying life while still being smart financially. That's why I love ButcherBox. I can get a variety of high-quality meat, seafood, chicken, and pork at an amazing value, all with exclusive member deals delivered to my door with free shipping always. One thing I just never wanted to cut out of my spending plan is eating good food. And with ButcherBox, I don't have to, and neither do you. Where else can you get free protein for a whole year? Yes, you heard that right. One of my favorite go-to dinners is a salmon bowl. I'm not even a huge salmon lover, but ButcherBox's wild-caught salmon is oh so good. I make a nice little marinade, saute some veggies, cook the salmon, and throw in some weiss. And it is an amazing dinner. If you want to take less trips to the grocery store and always have prepared meat in the freezer for a lot less money, you need ButcherBox in your life. Sign up at butcherbox.com etm and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. You can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com etm. Hey, I'm Shauna Compton Game. This is Millennial Money. And today we're talking going from flat broke to financial badass with Aaron Lowry from Broke Millennial. Aaron started Broke Millennial as a blog a couple of years ago. And through the blog, really evolved a lot of content that she has turned into her first book, Broke Millennial Stop Scraping By and Get Your Financial Life Together. The book is on shelves everywhere. And I think this is an awesome book for you to check out because It really is a roadmap to handling your 20s and 30s, but the cool thing about the book is that each chapter really does stand on its own. So what Erin encourages you to do is grab the book, flip around, pick your own financial path. You don't have to read it from cover to cover to whatever chapter really just resonates with the place you are in your life, right? And I think this is a really awesome con concept for a financial book that you don't have to pick it up and read it to cover to cover to get all of the valuable information. So check out the interview that I did with Erin. Um, she's got some great, awesome tips that I think are going to really be super impactful on your life. And then head out and grab her book. Millennial Money with Shauna Compton Games. It will expand your brain. All right, Erin, I'm 
I'm so excited to have you on the podcast today talking all about your brand, your book, and everything Broke Millennial. Well, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I think everybody that writes a book or at least that, you know, kind of enters into the money space normally has some sort of backstory about money and and maybe how it's influenced them or played into their decision making. I was wondering if you could just share a little bit about your own money journey and kind of how you got to the point of launching Broke Millennial. Sure. It's a a lot to unpack. So (laughs) we're we're ready. We're buckled in. Sure. I'll start to tell the story and then you can feel free to interrupt and redirect me as needed. Perfect. But the first important thing is that I grew up in a household where money was talked about comfortably, routinely. There was no taboo or tension when it came to finances. And this was two reasons. One, my family financially was very comfortable. But two, my parents made sure that we were getting money lessons from a very young age. And these were very hands-on money lessons. It was something like if I wanted a stuffed animal at the store, I was going to have to pay for 50%, even if I was six, seven, eight years old. Mm. So I started to think about how to earn money at a very young age and then also how to handle it and control it. And by the time I entered the real world, quote unquote, so after college, um, of which I also had to pay for 50%. Wow. I, yeah. So I got to New York city right after college and I wasn't making very much money. The first full year that I lived here, I made about $23,000, which for reference point for listeners, $19,000 is the poverty line in New York. Yeah. Who's going to say you, you can't, yeah. you can't do much on that salary. You can't. And it was a lot of ingenuity, a lot of leftovers that I was scavenging from places that I worked and, you know, finding frugal, free things to do in New York. And that's how I, I lived without feeling deprived. But the other thing was I knew how to control money. So even though I didn't have a lot of it, mm-hmm. I still was in a situation where I felt very in control because I knew how to live within my means, even though they were very meager. I could still have my basic necessities met and then a little bit extra. And I was even saving a little bit of money at that time. But what started Broke Millennial is that you know, what you grow up around is normal. So I, you know, delusionally kind of assumed that most people got these financial lessons from their parents as well. I just kind of figured that was how the world worked. And not not so. Yeah. Quickly started to realize, especially post-college, because that's a, you know, that's a little bit of a protective bubble to a degree. And a lot of people, even people that are going massively in debt with student loans and whatnot, aren't really thinking about it until after the fact. So here I was, 22 years old, living in New York City, not making a lot of money and friends with people in the cliche starving artist type scenario. So also people either not making much money or getting supported by their parents, which I also have to say I was living on my own. I was not getting financial help from my parents to pay for things like rent, cell phone, anything like that. And I was making it work. So it was shocking to me one night when I went out with a friend of mine and we had been in New York for a little over a year at this point. So we had both transitioned from these, we worked as pages for the late show with David Letterman. And we had transitioned from these jobs of not making much money, having to work a bunch of side hustles just to make ends meet to kind of a stable scenario. I had upgraded to $37,500. I thought I was a baller. I was like, I'm rolling (laughs) in it. And she was making a decent sum too, about the same. But she was working as an executive assistant at Viacom and really hated it. 
And I was confused with her because she had moved to New York to be an actress. And I knew this. And at the time, we were now 23. And I kind of called her out on it one night. And I said, you know, I got to tell you, you're 23 years old. You don't have student loan debt. You don't have credit card debt. You don't have kids. You're not married. I don't really understand why you're not at least trying to make this work. Be an actress, you know, do the waitressing, right. bannying, whatever you got to do to at least for a year, give it a go. And she said to me, I don't know. Money just really stresses me out. I just hope I have enough at the end of the month. And hearing this from someone who grew up in a privileged background, had access to money, school was totally paid for, a, a you know, bougie liberal arts college, and she still was incredibly stressed about money. It was a little shocking to me. And so that's when I started to ask people from all different walks of life what their relationships were with money. And across the board, people would just either shut down the conversation or would have it for a minute and then were like, eh, I'm uncomfortable. Right. But they were more than willing to tell me about their sexual escapades, but they didn't want to talk to me at all about money. Oh, and Yes. Part of why I started Broke Millennials, I wanted a safe space for people to come and learn about money from a fellow millennial. I'm very storytelling in how I write. It's not lecturing. It's not finger wagging, you know, it, and it's very gender neutral. And I just wanted to have that kind of environment because especially at the time that I came to personal finance blogging, you know, there's a plethora of types of blogs out there now. But when I started, which is over four years ago, most of them were written by a man who's usually married with kids living in the Midwest. That was the trope I was seeing <laughs> over and over. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's some of people's life experience. But there was no one speaking to the single woman living in a major metropolitan area on not a lot of money who still wanted to indulge in some of the finer things in life. So I was also kind of filling a little bit of that void as well at the time. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. I mean, I, I come from the, the school of thought of, you know, the more people that are out there sharing knowledge and that are talking about these tough topics in, you know, interesting ways, again, where there's no finger wagging and things like that, you know, I mean, I just feel like there almost can't be enough information out there because I, I just know that, you know, like you said, like most people did not grow up with these teachings. And so they're just out there in the real world trying to figure this all out and, and not sure who to pay attention to. Oh, agreed. And it's very valuable to have a variety of voices out there and to have so many different perspectives. But I think we also have to be aware when there is a void and look to fill it. And I'm very appreciative now that there is much more diversity being brought to the money conversation and people's backgrounds, life experiences, where they sit on the socioeconomic totem pole, because for a while it was very black and white, very, this is the right way to do it. And I don't feel that that is the money journey at all. Personal finance is nothing if not personal. And we have to acknowledge that what works for me is not necessarily what's going to work for you. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, friend, I want to know, what are your money goals this year? Are you saving to buy a house or maybe a wedding or a dream vacation to somewhere tropical? If that's you, please, please take me with you. Or maybe you want to just grow your emergency fund because let's be real, life is expensive. I want to make sure you reach your goals, so you need Monarch. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best app for growing your savings. 
Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You can create custom budgets, track progress towards your financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com etm. Here's what I love. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. You can change the layout of your dashboard. You can go between light and dark mode. You can create custom budgets and notifications. You can set up all of these automatic rules for your transactions and notifications and so much more. Monarch is obsessed with constantly improving their product. Get this. They release updates every two weeks and they even allow customers to submit suggestions, vote on requested features, and view the product roadmap. This, my friend, is totally original. Plus, they will never sell your data to third party or show you ads. I think that's really important. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it is the top rated personal finance app. And now listeners of this show get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash etm. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash etm for your extended 30-day free trial. In those moments when money is just not moving as fast as your dreams, Earnit provides the financial momentum you need to keep moving forward. Earnit is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. You just download the Earnin app and verify your paycheck. Then you access up to $100 a day as you work and you can leave an optional tip. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. I honestly would use Earnin in lots of different ways, but what's on my mind recently is I need a night out. I need some good tacos to sip on a few virgin margaritas and celebrate you all helping this podcast earn 26 million downloads. Make Earnin a part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability and security. Gives me a lot of peace of mind. Download Earnin today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earnin app, type in Talkin' Money under podcast when you sign up. It will really help the show. Talking money under podcast. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank, subject to your available earnings daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. So tell us a little bit about kind of how the book concept came about. It really was born out of that idea. I wanted to have a, hmm, I'm not allowed to use this term in reference to my book because it's trademarked. <laughs> so I'm going to make, a, I'm going to allude to a type of book that you would have read as a millennial, as a kid, in which you can pick the direction that you're going and kind of determine the adventure that you're going on based on choices made at the end of a chapter. Right. I'm not going to say the full term though. <laughs> I, I think we got it. I think we got the visual. So I always loved those books. And I also felt like that would kind of harp a little bit on the millennial nostalgia, but it also then enabled me to write a book where each chapter stands on its own. It's all contained. And you as the reader can then flip around and pick your own financial path. It's not me saying you have to read this from cover to cover. 
because there are going to be parts that are irrelevant to certain people. Certain people already have their credit scores together. Certain people already know how to budget. Certain people have their student loans on lock, and that's not what they're looking for. They're maybe looking for information about how do you talk money with your friends? How do you talk money with your partner? How do you pick a financial planner or invest or save for retirement? And so I hit all of these different milestones, I would call them, from going from absolutely zero, you have no understanding of how to get your financial life together, all the way through, I'm towards the end, ready to buy a house, saving for retirement, budgeting every month, you know, debt is gone scenario. Right. So it, it takes you through that whole arc. Yeah, no, I think that's awesome. Um, I love some of the chapter titles. They're, they're really fun. And, and that's the way I like to always talk about money. So let's, let's pick like, uh, maybe two or three that you think are kind of, um, you know, uh, have the most impact, you know, that stand out for millennial listeners, what would those be? I would say it's credit scores, investing and negotiating, because there's a lot of misinformation around all three of those Mm -hmm. things. And a lot of myths, um, to start with the easiest one, which is credit scores. I have a lot of strong feelings about how misunderstood the credit scoring system is by a vast majority of the public and also how certain personal finance gurus make it sound like it's a debt score because I vehemently disagree with that perspective since I have never had any debt. I pay off my credit cards on time and in full every single month and don't carry a balance, but I have a close to 800 credit score. So I didn't carry debt in order to get there. I consider your credit score as a piece of insurance on your financial life is how I usually like to explain it. Because do I want to have to borrow money? No. But if I get hit by a New York City bus tomorrow and I want to, or I need to take out a loan perhaps to pay off some of my medical bills in order to lower the interest rate, I would like to have the option to have the lowest possible interest rate to do that. So having a healthy credit score puts me in a position that if everything goes sideways tomorrow, I'm protected to a degree. Yeah, it gives you it gives you options, I think. Exactly. And, and I and I think that's the way I like to talk about things too. I mean, rather than putting everything in all these kind of buckets and stressing people out, it's it's really about just giving you lifestyle options, you know, either now or down the road. Right. And if having a credit card has consistently resulted in you creating massive amounts of debt, then that's a separate conversation. But not only is it that you need to cut up your credit card, it's also that you need to psychologically evaluate why that is, why you emotionally are responding to money in that fashion. And I think that that's another thing that I do talk about in the book that we also often don't discuss in the greater money conversation is our mental relationship to money. And I think that, you know, evaluating your psychological blocks and your, your money memories and why you have these feelings is incredibly important in order for you to be able to assess and move on as well. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I couldn't, I actually couldn't agree with you more. Um, let's talk about investing because I know that's a big topic, you know, um, so many millennials, it seems we're either on one side or the other when it comes to investing or either completely fearful of it or, um, you know, actually, actually kind of like lean into that fear, but there's a lot of misconception about investing. What do you talk about in the book? One of the biggest misconceptions I try to get people over is this idea that it's gambling because I think that it's to Wall Street's benefit for the average Joe to feel like it's completely impossible for him or her to start investing. And that's certainly not the case. 
And I also want to move people beyond this idea that investing spare change is enough. The gamification of investing in terms of apps has been a positive that it gets people talking and thinking, but investing your spare change is not enough money to really be setting your future self up. It's a good way to get started, but you need to do more. Yep, and it needs to be a regular part of your financial life and plan. It needs to be something just like putting money aside for an emergency fund or for retirement. It all needs to tie together. But my big thing is that, and I cite a, a conversation with an actual friend of mine in the book where she likes individual stock picking and that is gambling. If we want to you know, equate investing to gambling. If you're doing individual stock picking, you're more or less gambling with your money because you're not diversifying yourself. It's a higher chance you're going to lose your money. So that needs to be a smaller speculative. I can tolerate losing this portion of your portfolio if that's what you want to do. But if you just look at index funds, ETFs, and you diversify in what you're investing in, you're really mitigating your risk. And the earlier you start, the better off you're going to be. And that's the other thing is people thinking like, I'll wait to start retire- saving for retirement until I'm 35. Well, you're going to have to save probably three times more per month than if you had started if you were 22 or 23. Yeah. I mean, I tell people it's just, it's literally take away uh, what, what funds to pick. It's pure mathematics you know, and the earlier you start, the less you can contribute and the more impact you can potentially have. Absolutely. And then the other thing that I find that happens is people will say, okay, I'm ready, but how? Mm, And that's a great question is a lot of people don't even know to go to a, a Vanguard or a Fidelity or a Betterment or anything like that. And to just open an account, like they don't even know actually how to take step one. And so that's the other big thing that I do in the book is talking about, here's what, you know, investing language is that you need to know. So when someone says this term like equity or bull or bear or index fund, you have an idea, you have a common language now, but also like, Hey, where do I even turn to put my money in the market in the first place? Yeah, I think that's great. I think that's great. Okay. Listen, like many of you out there, I love Notion, our sponsor today. And I honestly use it every day for my notes and journaling. I also track our family expenses and I manage all of our household to-dos. Notion has been such a lifesaver in helping me get a lot more organized because that's not one of my strengths without stressing me out. Notion is a place where any team can write, plan, organize, and rediscover the joy of play. It's a workspace designed not just for making progress, but getting inspired. Notion is the AI-powered workspace that can summarize things like meeting notes and automatically generate action items and help you get answers to questions in seconds. It will honestly blow your mind. Notion is for everyone, whether you're a Fortune 500 company, you're a freelancer, you're starting a startup, or you're a student juggling classes and clubs, or you're somebody like myself that just really wants to get organized. Try Notion for free when you go to Notion.com slash ETM. That's all lowercase letters, Notion.com slash ETM, and start turning ideas into action. And when you use our link, you are supporting our show, Notion.com slash ETM. The weather is getting warmer. I'm so excited, and it is time to say goodbye to all those jackets and sweaters and hello to the shorts and t-shirts. I wanted to update my summer workout wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune. 
Luckily, I found Quince and I am in love. Quince is your go-to place from everything from premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless, 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part of all, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes those savings on to you. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Okay, I bought the dreamiest pair of workout leggings and a bright pink workout top to match. Honestly, ladies, I gotta tell you, these leggings you need. The price cannot be beat, and I feel like a million bucks wearing this cozy workout friendly outfit. I've worn it for like five days straight. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash etm for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's q-u-i-n-c-e dot com slash etm to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash etm. So let's talk about the the other kind of big uh, whammy with millennials, and that's student loans. Uh, what do you talk about in the book about that? Oh, I get deep into student loans. That <laughs> chapter is actually entitled uh, Student Loans, How to Handle Them Without Having a Full-on Panic Attack. And I break it down based on where you are. So there's a section that's like, oh, hey, are you just graduating high school and you haven't even fully committed to all your loans? Here's some tips. Are you still in college? Here's some other stuff you can do. Ah, you already graduated and you're dealing with it now. Here are all your other options. And I go through... Gosh, pretty much everything from forgiveness programs, which at this point, who knows what's going to happen with those. Right. Jump off. In, right. Uh, Income-driven repayment plans, you know, what to do with uh, the federal federal student loans, and also things like biweekly payments, paying more than your minimum due. I have success stories sprinkled throughout of people who paid down a lot of debt and the, the tips and the hacks that they used. And then, of course, talking about things like refinancing and also understanding what happens if you miss a payment or you default. What's the difference between forbearance and deferment? What's a grace period? Understanding all of this common language. Yeah, I think that's so great because, again, there's just so much um, mystery around it all. And I think it can get really confusing for people trying to figure it out. So it's great that it takes you through the different stages that are relevant to where you're at right now, but then also, you know, in the future for where you're going to be. So when you were developing uh, your book, were you out talking to millennials and, you know, hearing stories? Did you find sort of common themes that were occurring? A lot of the research had already been done through the blog, I will say. So I started BrokeMillennial.com, the blog, back in January of 2013. So for years, I had been essentially collecting those stories, getting feedback on social media and in the comment section about what people wanted. And then during the process of writing the book, I would also crowdsource things on social media. It's primarily Twitter and Instagram. I would ask people a lot of questions or be like, what, what do you want to hear about? What stresses you out the most? And I also use those ways to crowdsource for success stories that I have mm. sprinkled throughout the book. So I like storytelling and there are certainly sections of the book where I don't have personal experience. For example, I have pretty much always have had a relatively healthy emergency fund. So I wanted an example of, Hey, what happens 
if you are aggressively paying down debt and don't save for an emergency and an emergency happens. I want to share that kind of a story. So I found someone who had experienced that. Yeah, I think that's great because um, it gives lots of different insight and perspective, I think, to all of these different uh, situations. So the book's out. Um, first, let's just tell people where can they get the book. You can get it wherever books are sold. That could be Amazon, Barnes Noble, Books A Million, Powell's, your local indie bookstore might even have it on the shelf. So it's all over the place. It's everywhere. I love it. Um, and then last question, I just want to ask, you know, what, what's the future for you? What do you, ha- what do you have uh, up your sleeves that you want to talk about? Are there any dreams that you want to accomplish? Or what, is it, what does the next couple of years look like for you? Ooh, the million dollar question. Right? Well, that's one is to become a millionaire is one of the goals, but I would say my big things right now is I'm looking to expand my speaking circuit. So I love writing, but I also want to expand to do more talks, uh, students, companies for their employees, kind of one-on-one consultations. I love getting to work with people in real time. And I also have some ideas for a next book as well. Ooh, exciting. I love it. I've, I've heard once you write your first book, you kind of get the bug and uh, all the future book ideas just start flowing. Oh, yeah. I have two that I have soft pitched my publisher. So we'll see if they take to them and hopefully I will have something in the work soon. Awesome. So then where on uh, social media can people find you as well? You can find me on Twitter at Broke Millennial. Same thing on Facebook and Instagram is Broke Millennial Blog. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for joining us, Erin. Um, hopefully everybody will rush out and grab the book and, you know, really dive into these topics. I love that it's written, that you don't have to read it cover to cover, that you can really use this as a resource for many years and, and hop around to whatever life stage you're in. I think that's really impactful for people. Well, thank you so much. This was a ton of fun and I always love coming on and talking about money.